If you were to lead off the podcast, what would it sound like? Today, um, see, today we're today we're going to. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and joining me, as he does every week, it's new and improved version 2.0 2018, Zach Mabry. Zach, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. If you want to tweet us, you can find us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker, and Zach is at Zach Mabry. Z-A-C, Mabry. Email us, podcast at romancircusblog.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud soon. Probably playing in the background of like a New York City subway or something at some point. We'll yeah. figure it out. Gr- Grand Theft Auto Catholic. <laughs> yeah, turn to our station, please do. Yeah. Um, what's up, man? How is the New Year's? It's been good. It's been a good it's been a good year so far. I mean It really has. You know. Yeah, I haven't uh haven't haven't what? Had any, hadn't had anything go wrong. Haven't haven't uh I don't know. Haven't oh. had to do anything. I, I was saying all these haven'ts, clearly. Um, twenty eighteen, the years of haven'ts. Uh yeah. that was a mouthful. Did you do anything exciting? Uh, to ring in the new year, actually, I do have kind of a funny story. So, uh, some some good friends of mine had a had a little party. So we met up, um, just at a, a friend's house, all of us, and you know, celebrated. There's this game that they wanted to play called Exploding Kittens. It's like a card game. Have you heard of it? I have. I couldn't tell you what happens, but I've heard of the game. Oh, I didn't play. I was, I kind of sat behind, like a row back, and was watching with a few others. And there were uh, way too many rules, so I didn't <laughs> play it. But it uh, it looked kind of entertaining. So anyway, later in the night, um, my friends, I don't know how it came up to be honest, but they wanted. We talked about you know if you've ever done the party trick where you open a bottle of champagne using a knife, mm-hmm. like and you shoot the top off, right. Um, so I was going to show them how to do that because <laughs> that, that is one of my many skills. <laughs> um, and the bottle, so as I'm doing this, the neck of the bottle just completely shatters Solid. and a piece jabs into the side of my hand and I just start bleeding. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really hurt, but everybody is like looking in horror because they all have their cameras and they like. They were, they were going to, you know, Instagram this and everything. And all of a sudden I'm like bleeding out of my hand and everybody is like freaked out. Yes, so as they would, you be. know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, it's no big deal. I'm, I'm just going to hold my hand over my head though, because it, this is a lot of blood. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, went, rinsed it off. Uh, it, it kept bleeding for over an hour. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it did eventually stop and, and that was good. And the, the funny thing is, is that the uh, the host of the party works in the, the medical field, okay, and did not have a single band aid in the whole house. Well, that just seems like gross oversight, right? I mean, I I was I was shocked. Well, um, the most important thing is you survived and you're here today. Oh yes, and you know, obviously, not bothered that my you know I'm just kidding around without my friend not having a band aid. It's okay. I don't actually know five band-aids either, so. You know, I don't know. There's There's got to be a moral in there somewhere, right? I would just hate, you know, if if this friend was listening and, you know, felt bad. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would never would never call someone out like that. Um, but then I read, I showed them again on another bottle. It worked perfectly just so that people wouldn't be scared. And then everyone was, was doing it. And then, you know, having to pick up all the glass rings out of the yard later. But. It was a it was a great situation. Hey, you got it done. And that's that's really why we're here. We're here to get things done. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, we have a lot to do. 
so Zach called to my attention earlier that so it was called to his attention that we haven't really introduced ourselves properly on this podcast. So what I think would be cool is if we have a reoccurring series called Cradle and Convert, where I, I'm a cradle Catholic, Zach is a convert, where we have podcasts here and there where we just kind of chat about our upbringing or kind of the differences and growing up Catholic as opposed to finding the faith later on in life. And I think it could be fun and it would help kind of get to know us a little bit. And it would, I don't know, there's kind of a dynamic at play that we all could understand a little better because they, they think the uh, misconception is that converts have more zeal and, you know, are, are more into the faith than us cradle Catholics. And I kind of want to, I would like to disagree with that. Yeah, I actually think I might. I'm kind of with you. I don't know. I hear that one a lot, and I have met a lot of very um, devout and holy converts. So mm. I mean, there's there's no shortage of them. But you know, I, I don't think that you could say that. Oh, if you know, if, if if a given person happens to be a convert, I don't think that you could say, oh, then they're they're going to be more devout than so and so. And you know, I think that you know, faith of any amount is a gift, and it, it doesn't necessarily matter how you how you got there and and there are right. converts that fall away regularly. So converts, that zeal can evaporate overnight. So. Sure. So let's let's start. I don't know if you want to – you had an idea of asking me questions straight away. Yeah. So fire, I mean, fire at I, will. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I get asked about um, my conversion quite a bit, and the mm-hmm. other converts that I'm friends with will say the same thing. They always will tell their story. But, you know, a lot of – a lot of cradle Catholics, you know, grew up in the faith. Maybe they even went to a, you know, a Catholic school. Right. They, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily practice the faith right now, or they may have fallen away. Um, so whenever, you know, whenever I meet a cradle Catholic who's, who's, you know, going to mass on Sunday, who's, um, you know, really striving to, to grow in the faith, I always want to ask, you know, how did you, was it always like this? Do you have your own conversion stories? So what's the, you know, were were you always going to mass every Sunday, praying the rosary, you know, being Catholic or or what what have you? So I would never call myself like a revert, really. I never left the church for an extended period of time or ever. Like I've consistently gone to mass throughout my entire life. Uh, something that I don't necessarily think is my own doing as much as it has to do with my upbringing I mean, obviously, it has to do with my own doing because I was the one who was physically going. But yeah, I. Yeah. So you grew up going. You guys grew up going to mass every Sunday. Yeah, I, I really don't remember more than maybe one. I can count maybe on one hand the times I would remember, even possibly skipping mass on Sunday. I know over the past 10 years that I missed twice and it was because of travel, but it was also kind of lazy during travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I've always gone. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through senior year of high school. If wow. I'm being honest, I don't know how much that played a factor into it really. Right. I do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just as a quick uh, tangent. Sorry, mm-hmm. I know I do this a lot, but I, at my, I grew up Protestant, as you know, and actually in my Sunday school class were two two guys who went to Catholic schools, and when we were doing this like comparative religions unit, they the the teacher assumed that they would would know things, and <laughs> I mean they just nothing. I mean they nothing. Yeah. And I, so yeah, I guess that I mean they were obviously not trying to learn about being Catholic, but I mean, just the basic stuff, they're like, oh, you know, you just gotta do your best. Yeah, no, I I liked the Catholic school from the standpoint of, I, I liked the structure, I liked what was going on. This I don't want to turn this mm-hmm. into a no, no. Matt's Catholic school well, showdown. I mean, proof that they like, I mean, these kids come out with, you know, great test scores that's measure i mean they're teaching you a lot and you kind of decide what to retain i mean it's not really a right sorry, it and not plus, meaning to beat up on any schools and i still talk with teachers i had then i was i've 
emailed the other day with a teacher I had from my high school. And so it's all, it was all a lovely experience that I would do over again. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I've just kind of always been, I've always gone to mass. Now that's where I explained the last podcast that the rosary, daily rosary is a relatively new thing. We would pray the rosary in the house growing up from time to time. But to be fair, we we were a bunch of boys that my mom had to corral, so it was always hard to kind of lock us down to say a rosary. And then even when she did, we were always too rambunctious to want to sit for very long, which I think is pretty natural. But yeah, yeah. So that's that. It. I'm I'm one I'm one of those cradle Catholics that never stopped going, but. I found kind of a strengthening uh, or uh, strengthening or like a fervor over the past few years, I suppose. That's why I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't actually classify it as a reversion because I think that's not true and I don't want to do a disservice to actual reversions. And plus, I, I don't know, I think my parents should have some praise for me seeing it through this whole time. That's why I don't want to call it a reversion. Um, But yeah, it's over the past maybe four or five years that I've slowly kind of ratcheted it up a bit. Okay. I mean, was there anything that like triggered that? I mean, obviously it's not the same as if, if you'd been away from the church for, you know, 10 years and had, you know, stolen cars and and burn down houses and then you decide to come back like you but you know was there something that that you could point to that maybe made you you know want to delve further into it it yeah it was our friend going off to do a movie and meeting my friend leo that really kind of kicked it up within our group of friends we had a bunch of converts and reverts right around the same time and a guy, this guy, Leo Severino, that hopefully we'll have him on. He has a new book out that I really enjoyed that I want to talk about at some point. But he was... Yeah, let's get him on. Basically, he had a kind of a conversion or reversion story, of, I don't know, 20 years ago that made him really ratchet it up. And he, the first time I met him and he gives these talks and I heard his talk, I was like, oh man, this is the Catholicism that I was, that I wanted Right, I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to know more, and I wanted to know why we did things. And to be fair, my, I think one of the reasons I stayed with the faith is because growing up, my parents never did the, well, we're Catholic, and that's what we do thing, you know? Why do we go to Mass? Oh, well, we're Catholic, and that's what we do. They would always try to explain what we did or why we did, or there's prayers you can say for this and all that. So that was really helpful. But even then, you know, there's stuff that you I wasn't taught in school that when I met Leo, I realized that this was the guy. This was the guy that I needed to listen to. So I've known him for about five years, and we talk a bunch, and I hear him talk about a bunch of stuff. So that's kind of what kicked it in. As soon as I – it's basically as soon as I realized that Catholicism was more than just – like a label. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes. Yeah. Oh, cause I mean, I, I met Leo, um, three and a half years ago. Yeah. That makes and sense. I, I would say my reaction was almost the opposite. I remember being like, this is not the Catholicism I want. At first. <laughs> um, because you know, I was, I wasn't that many years. I, I mean, I had, I had been, you know, I had come into the church. I was going to mass, and I was. It was about you know, a, you'd have been really striving about a year at that point, right? Um, actually, about two, because I came okay. into the church Easter of 2012, and then I met Leo um, summer 2014. So about two years, and um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you kind of gradually wade your weight in, and uh, made like wading into the water, and you um. I don't know. I mean, you know, I learned a lot about the church itself, but then um, expanding out and understanding, you know, virtue and everything like that, you know, I, I had really taken the approach of like, well, if it's not definitely a mortal sin, then I can I can do it. Right. 
And so, um, you know, learning, learning, you know, that, that theology is a science and there, there's more to it than, you know, the, the absolute letter of, of the law. Um, it, it, I, I really appreciate it now and it, it's been a blessing, but at first I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Right. So that's kind of cool that you had a, a more like initially receptive mindset. Oh yeah. No, I was in from the very first moment, really. Like it, I remember our, our friend invited us, invited a few people over to the house and he's like, this guy, Leo's going to talk to us about Catholicism. And I'm like, all right, like I'll come hang out. And I was, yeah, I was in, in instantly. I don't even, I can't even remember what the topic was for the night, but I remember just being in and then there's a, <laughs> there's even there's a priest that would come around that's a very hard hardcore priest a very smart priest i was also equally as in the first time i heard him speak so i i don't know what it is but it also gets gets back to that desire of finally i felt like i was going to learn something that i hadn't learned in some of my religion classes i i want to put it delicately cuz i don't want to talk bad about it cuz i you know, I really did enjoy the experience of my Catholic schooling, but at the same time, there was a lack of some things there too. Yeah, well, I mean, some of that is just methods have changed as far as like the prevailing attitudes about education. Right. And so it's not it's not really pointing the finger at any teacher. So the priest you're talking about, I assume, is Father Ripperger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. I basically became familiar with him through our friend, um, through Bug, and right. Uh, at the same time, I guess through like secondhand was where I was hearing, you know, what what Father River taught, and then things that Leo said, and that was when I was initially like, uh, I don't know. When I actually got to to hear one of Leo's talks and go to the group you're talking about, uh, which was later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like a full year after that. It was like 2015 when I came out for a week. Uh, I mean, by then I had already really started buying into it because I'd been able to listen to some of the stuff myself. But yeah. once I saw it in person, I think that that was exciting. So I can see maybe how <laughs> being there in person. I mean, he, you know, he's he's the delivery is just good. Oh, there's and a mean, whole the, and there's a whole laser light show that goes on with it, and there's a <laughs> like a halftime performance. He he got Beyonce one year. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. But um, yeah, I mean, it, when you first kind of stumble onto, there's more to it, and then you know, there's, you know, I remember saying to a to a different priest, I said, you know, I didn't know that the church really had any anything to say about economics and wages or right. psychology or any of that. And, you know, he said, well, the, you know, morality is human acts and, you know, the church has, has competence yeah. on, on all of it. And, um, you know, listening to, you know, people like Leo and stuff who they, they just get it and they're able to, um, I don't know. I have like a, a pretty strong, um, I, I can't use the word I want to call it. Like a, <laughs> a, I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to, uh, when people are just making stuff up Sure. and, or when they can't back up their arguments, like when one or two questions will knock down somebody's whole thing. And so, you know, out of niceness, you almost don't ask. Right. Well, with, with Leo, you can just keep going. Yeah. And, you know, he's he can explain and he can back up and he can explain. He can point you where to do more reading. And, and that, I think, was really impressive because, you know, I just always kind of had a thought of like, I don't know if all this god stuff is is true growing up that was always my mm-hmm. thought of like i think this is a good thing to do but i don't know if any of this stuff is like really true but it's probably better that everybody just right you, you see know, the you see like it. the natural value in it but you don't see the nat- supernatural value yeah i was like i'm not gonna tell anyone and spoil it but i don't know <laughs> about any of this stuff and so you know when when people can you know in a very compelling and convincing way, you know, speak to the intellect, not to, you know, people can rev you up with like a good song and you can feel, you know, spiritual or what have you Mm -hmm. in a way, but like, you know, that's, 
that's different. When someone can really speak to the intellect and help you, you know, grasp concepts um, and just understand, you know, truths that are out there on that level, uh-huh. it's it's pretty impressive because you're like, oh, I can't really, can't really just brush this off, you know. So, so. I think I think that's a. I don't want to speak for all cradle Catholics, and especially I don't want to speak for anyone who's fallen away, but. I do think that kids in Catholic school want an excuse to learn more, but sometimes they get an excuse to not care to learn anymore. Does that make sense? Like, I think that I, so I have a friend out here in Los Angeles coming to you live from Los Angeles. You don't, you don't know this person and I'm not, don't know if you'll ever meet this person it's a friend I've had for I don't know maybe close to 10 years and she one night she's fallen away and fallen away is putting it nicely she is probably has no interest in coming back currently but we got to talking and she basically and let me know that she had such a strong desire to want to learn more, but every time she kept asking questions, she wouldn't get any answers, which I do think is a kind of a problem. And it touches back to why I'm so grateful that my parents never had the, well, we're Catholic and that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's, that can play such a strong strong part in a cradle Catholics. I can't say that too many times cradle Catholics upbringing because if that can only sustain you for so much, right? The idea of, well, we just do this because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Like even, even to the extent of breathing, we breathe because that's just what we do. But if you want to learn more about the human body, you have to learn why and how we breathe and what we breathe and what, goes on in the breathing and where the breath goes when you breathe it in and where it comes out and what it, what it, you know, the functions are increased by the breathing. So that would be the same with the faith is, well, why do we go to mass? So you can explain why we go to mass, but if you explain, well, we just do it because that's what we do. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to check out. Like I said, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think that has a lot to do with it. So if you find, if you're able to find something that can speak to the intellect, it really can help. Right. Cause I mean, I think that keeping up traditions from your parents, um, can only, it can only last so long. Like it can only, that can really only go one generation. Like if your parents did something and you didn't really get it but yeah you, you know you saw them do it and you respect your parents so you do it you're not going to be able to transmit that like your children are not going to keep up with something that you were only doing because your parents did it right because they know that to you it, it, it wasn't anything and so you can sort of see with kind of the you know in our culture the sort of breakdown of i mean not just not with catholicism with all religion or really just knowledge in general it's not getting passed from generation to generation everything from religion to cooking to i mean just everything right and some of it is that you just have people that like well my parents did this and i didn't really get it but i I love my parents and so i'm gonna do it and you know that's i guess i mean that's good in a sense but you you do have to sort of take ownership of it and you know i always think that okay on the natural level you know my um, father's father's my grandfather you know there's sort of a removed but with supernatural with god okay he's my father's father but he's also directly my father and so you have to you, you can't necessarily relate through a you know through a intermediary in that sense like you've got to um you know you've got to make it your own that doesn't right. mean that you don't go to mass until you know why a lot of it you, know, you do it until you find out why. Well, yeah, um, and there's a I, lot. I really think that's a great attitude. But there's also the, I, and I, I don't want to act like that it's not up to the individual to keep to seeing things through. Because obviously at some point you have to 
take it on. And if you can't get the answers, you have to find, you have to go look for the answers because there are answers, you know? So, mm-hmm. it, so that's not, it's not a necessarily a valid excuse to stop doing something, but you can see where it would be disheartening for sure. And yeah. I mean, I, I came into the church when I was already, you know, I was 22 years old and I remember, you know, you, I would ask questions and it, people would be like, Oh, don't worry about that. And it's like, well, I'm not <laughs> worried. I'm, I'm interested. Like yeah. I'm about to, you know, I'm about to, you know, sign over my life for, you know, for lack of a better description. Like I, I'm just, uh, interested to know what's been taught. And is you know, that, it was just is that piece like, of the plane supposed to be hanging off like that? Uh, don't worry yeah. about that. There's something wrong with the left phalange. <laughs> um, hopefully no one knows what shows that that's from, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I got that and I was, but I was, you know, it was towards the end of college and I just didn't, I don't know. I just kind of rolled my eyes and was like, well, whatever they, okay. It, it maybe one day it'll be important to these people. I'll, I'll keep, I'll find out. Right. And, but I don't think I could have, if I was 15 or you know, if I was, you know, if I had grown up in it and I, you know, had that experience over and over again and realizing that people aren't, a lot of these people aren't asking questions and they don't even really know what, you know, I think that would start to really, um, it would be a different set of circumstances if that if I'd encountered that when I was younger. Did you uh, ever have a point after your conversion where you thought you made a mistake? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that about. Let's see, how long after was this? Coming up on two years, or maybe shortly. Around the two-year mark, I remember the uh, the excitement started to wear off, you know, and the sense of going to mass, you know, that's a, something that we get to do, but it's also something that's an obligation. And I remember just the sort of the the obligation part started to really um, feel, you know, I started to it started to feel more like an obligation, and I was just kind of like, you know, I don't know about this. I had just started working, right, and in that paradigm there's just all these other great you know quote-unquote great things that will distract you and that can you know so i just remember thinking like you know there's just a lot to try to put into this and i don't even know if if it matters you know Mm -hmm. i don't know i just remember thinking like you know what i'm studying doesn't really match with what i'm seeing and then i feel like i'm having to you know go at this alone and you know, but I, something in me was like, but, you know, a lot of people know that I converted and I don't want to, you know, what if they're about to want to be Catholic and like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let up uh, almost out of pride. Yeah, for sure. I was just about to say pride. So, yeah. And I mean, I think the interesting thing was that I just sort of, I mean, I, I kept at it and, um, I don't know. I mean, I think God just sort of sent me a whole bunch of lifeboats at once. I mean, shortly thereafter was actually when I'm um, reconnected with Bug for the first time in 20 years. We'll have Bug on sometimes, so we just don't keep referencing this person without him talking into a microphone. Yeah, yeah, we've we've committed him now, so Um, he doesn't want to make a flyers. Uh, Wait, what? So. Well, we said oh, we'll liars. Yeah. I thought you said um, flyers. No. Okay. No, nothing so, like that. So it was um, right around that you reconnected with Bug. You you two had known each other for, I mean, almost your whole lives at this point. But not not really well. I mean, we, right. we were the, the oldest and youngest on the, the set when we met. And so, um, we, I mean, being four and nine, that's actually like a – a pretty substantial age difference at the time. Right. So it, it wasn't so much that, but it, I mean, that was one of several other, I mean, you know, I, I came across the concept of Mary and consecration. I mean, there were a whole bunch of things that, you know, kept getting basically dropped in my lap around the time that I was thinking, you know, maybe I've, 
maybe I don't want to do this anymore. Or, and I mean, I think at two years I was hitting where the numbers show a lot of converts stop going to mass permanently. So, um, I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty fortunate and blessed that just a bunch of stuff just popped up. I mean, Marian consecration. Uh, I also met a ton of Catholics down here in Dallas, just sort of randomly. Right. Um, someone at work mentioned this thing at, at the pair at a parish and I just kind of showed up and it was, you know, I mean, a bunch of stuff at once happened that sort of kept me, you know, safely within the church. And, um, you know, and there, there are times after that that I would still kind of have these. It's like you have it takes a while to fully settle. And so you I would see something on the news about the church and it would I would be worried, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, there would always be just something very tangible that would come my way that would sort of sort that out. And so, um, you know, I, I say that I was sort of dragged into the church, but also sort of chained down for, I mean, whenever I would want to, you know, something always would come that would, um, reassure me or, you know, something new that I could focus on, like a new devotion or something that would, uh, would help me keep going. So it's great. It's nice that we don't have to do all the work ourselves. Yeah. It's all, (laughs) It's all about, I guess, being thankful for those lifeboats and riding them as far as you can until you're until you get in a good place of, you know, being able to weather the storm. If I could keep using watery, weathery analogies. Yeah, I had a right. I have a buddy who I went to high school with who is a very good Catholic, maybe one of the best Catholics I know. And he was pretty instrumental in kind of keeping me in line. He we we would lead some retreats in high school together, and we would talk about some stuff. And it was it was nice to have that that friend there as just kind of a peer. It's one thing to not want to disappoint your parents, but it's always good if you can have a someone in similar age to you growing up that you also don't want to disappoint. Right. And that really helped. He, he was in, he was in the seminary and he actually left and now he's married with two kids and one on the way. So he's, he's creating a lovely Catholic family. I mean, yeah, we, we get the, we get those things because we're, we're big dumb animals that can't do it on our own. Right. I mean, we have the, you know, we have original sin and concupiscence. And so we're not, we don't have this perfect fortitude to, um, to stick with it and having those sort of natural and supernatural, like pushes, like whether it's friends. Um, cause that was the thing when I, when I reconnected with Bob, that was really my first Catholic friend as far as, wow. I mean, you know, I, there were people I knew that would sometimes go to mass with me or they would, they were around, but it, it was always kind of like, you know, they would even like, you don't really believe all of this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I would, I didn't really know what to say in those situations and <laughs> whatnot, you know, cause you're not, yeah. not wanting to, you know, I don't know. It's just an awkward situation. Definitely. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think having all of that really helps with fortitude and then, you know, eventually you, I mean, hopefully maybe I'll be that for someone else where I reassure them or, um, you know, we kind of have to be open to what God sends us, but then also listening to his will and we never know where he could lead us. So what would you do on your own then in Dallas when you were before you found that group and when you were kind of going at it on your own? How would you personally fight through any dull periods? You know, like how would you reach out to learn more about the faith or find out what to read? Would you talk to the priests at church or would you just kind of look it up on your own you know i would i would try to to talk to the priests it's difficult because the parishes here are huge and so you know if you have ten thousand parishioners and, and one or two priests they don't have a lot of time right and then i was working a lot and so i i liked to read so there were websites that i would go to and you know try to learn more google.com website that was, right well <laughs> You know, it's funny because there's a lot of just junk out there, so you have to be careful. 
Sure. Um, I, I was any really, old uh, Yahoo can start a podcast, Zach. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, I would, um, let's see, what would I look at? So I, I liked the, uh, the forums, the Catholic answers forums. Mm-hmm. Um, those were kind of fun. Um, eventually, uh, everyone I know that's ever been on them has had the experience where they're no longer fun, but, uh, <laughs> they're fun at first. Um, I think I got banned at some point to be honest. And the, I liked the website fish eaters. I think we, I posted a link to some stuff from that site on the last podcast. Um, lots of things about living out the faith. Um, and then I would watch and listen to uh, EWTN quite a bit. Uh, it was neat when, like, right as I was driving to work, they'd be having the mass, or I'd pray the rosary on the way to work. I mean, you know, I just would kind of, you know, you try to find something because you, you know, you know that that there's more to it, but you don't necessarily, you're not just surrounded with people who agree. So you just kind of have to grasp for something. Yeah, that's um, crazy, man. They, you to do that after coming to the faith after being in a family who wasn't Catholic and then coming into it on your own. I don't want to cheapen your conversion story, so we'll save that for another time. But the way that you kind of came to it and then you fought through it on your own, that's it's a pretty impressive way to come to the faith and stay in the faith and you you got rewarded by finding people down there and getting back in touch with friends. It was, it's pretty great. Well, I mean, I, I can't really take any credit for it because I, I can, I can really think of how I was, you know, almost actively sabotaging it, you know, as you know, it's like you, you want to learn more, but then you goof off or you want to pray more, but then you don't make time for prayer. You know I mean? I definitely wasn't holding up my end of the bargain all the time. And so, um, you know, it can really only be grace that, made it happen. Um, I'm trying to think of what else if there's anything specific that, cause I mean, you know, just be a good recommendation to make to people. I mean, I think I, I had a pretty good sense of the, the uniqueness of the church. Mm-hmm. And so I was not, and I had grown up Protestant, um, and you know, very devout family. I mean, it would never ever, you know, say anything bad about that situation that I was in. But I, I knew the difference and the uniqueness of the church and who the church was as the Church of Christ, and so I didn't I didn't really mess around with anything um, ecumenical or like generic Christian. You know, I, I really focused right. on only things that were Catholic, huh. and you know, some things just wouldn't pass the smell test. Of you know, I I I, I almost like this too much. This can't be right. Like this person <laughs> is, you know, they're trying to affirm you know, bad instincts. They're not trying to present the truth. Yeah. And so, cause you know, you're, I mean, you can forget a sermon, you can forget a book, but you'll never forget people. You never forget when somebody ratifies, um, your sin in some way and they tell you that it's okay. Yeah. Uh, you'll just always remember that. And I mean, eventually, hopefully you overcome that, but anytime someone does that, you're just hooked. I mean, you become, you know, You'll well, you get an excuse. Trust that person, right? When you'll trust that person over everybody else, even as the evidence is clear that you know they were mistaken. Um, sure, because you, you, can... you want what you want what you've been told as opposed to what you should really have. Right, and so, but something. I mean, it has to just be grace. But you, know, something just kind of made me not trust that because there there is a lot of that, especially online. Of people who are like, I'm Catholic, but you know, I don't, I don't think you should have to, you know, give money to support the church. The church can support itself. It's, you know, they own all this land. Or, you know, I'm Catholic, but I don't think it matters if the Pope says that this is a unjust war or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people will make every excuse that they want, and you know, they'll they'll find their way eventually. But the people, you know, listening to that, you you hear it and you think, oh, cool. So I can have, I can have the faith, and I can have everything I wanted and had before I had the faith. Yeah. I mean, thankfully without the, you know, the, the support system of a bunch of people around me, I just kind of, I don't know. I would see that stuff and just sort of, uh, you know, for maybe for like a, a minute, I think, Oh, cool. And then I'd be like, no, this just doesn't square with what is in the catechism. Interesting. That's a, 
very interesting way of approaching it. I, yeah, I don't know in my own life if I looked for the excuse or the other. I definitely, I now don't look for the excuse. Like I go out of my way if I'm listening to someone or if I'm talking to a priest, I go out of my way to make myself look foolish just so I can get the correct answer. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Cause I want to know what the actual thing is. I don't want to know how I can game the system. I'm, I'm an old man, Zach. I'm getting too tired to game the system. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know I was definitely bummed out when I found things out, you know, in high school or grade school, but I mean, it was all in a pursuit of the greater good, I would like to think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's like a recognition of, you know, the wider culture right now is is not um, is not the healthiest situation, but it's it's never a good feeling to have to, like, step outside of what the rest of pe- everyone's doing, especially when you, you know, care a lot about people and you're you're not necessarily going to be able to convince them, though, you know, they'll have to come to the answer on their own time and yeah. it, it just kind of isn't fun to step out of the crowd so there was um a debate earlier this year between um, a couple of different publications i know there were people at first things and the national catholic reporter and um crux even who were uh, kind of going back and forth about converts and the uh, the tone of it seemed to be that um, converts could could maybe do more to keep their mouths shut, huh. and that they were kind of like dinner guests who you invite who just start instantly offering opinions. Right. And um, you know, it, it sort of blew up. There was that that Twitter the uh, theologian, the the trolley one, Massimo. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Stagioli yeah. and um, and then the the editor of First Things was uh, involved in it. Um, was it Schmitz, Matthew Schmitz, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of going back and forth. And I, I, you know, the converts, there were several converts involved and they took the side that, well, you know, converts should, should proclaim, you know, the, the truth, just like cradle Catholics should. Right. But uh, I thought it was interesting and didn't know. I mean, have you, uh, do you ever, I don't know, see converts that could maybe, you know, maybe spend a little more time converting before, running out and and teaching classes i think that's probably a good idea not because of anything to do with them personally but i know you have to be in the faith for a certain amount of time before you can go to the seminary for instance Mm -hmm. i think you want to make sure that it's real before you go trying to teach other people. So I I say, I say real, not that you don't think the church is real. I think you want to make sure that your involvement and your zest for the faith is real before you, you know, people, people get jaded or people try and insert their own thing or maybe you know, you want to make sure, say uh, you come from a different faith into Catholicism, you want to make sure you don't necessarily bring certain elements of those faiths along with you into these classes. I I don't like the overall tone of converts should just sit there and shut up. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good idea. I think Catholicism is a religion built on converts originally so converts are very very much needed and respected in the faith but i do think that there it might not be a bad idea to have kind of a probation period before converts find their way into teacher roles is that did i did i do a good enough job of trying to be respectful about that yeah, I think that's good. That's you know, it's funny because you know, you not being a convert, obviously, you're naturally wanting to like very you know tread lightly yeah. on the subject. So I know I think that was good. Yeah, it was funny because the people who I never agree with, um, 
were arguing against people who I frequently, but not always, do agree with. And I just remember thinking, you know, I'm kind of with the, you know, the trolls on this one. Um, the, the thing about converting is like right now, everything in our culture is so just illogical and it's a complete mess. Um, and the faith is, is coherent. And so I think that people can be attracted to the coherence of the faith. Um, but what they are forming is an opinion, like the, in their opinion, the church is, is good or the, the, the Catholic religion is the true religion and they will read themselves into the church and they will read themselves right out of the church in a short period of time. And that's where I think I agree with what you're saying about, you know, it needs to make sure that it's real. And the graces that come with converting are not the same graces that, you know, are required for, um, you know, proclaiming the faith. And, you know, let let the graces of conversion, let those, you know, work, you know, don't don't cut those short. Let those work in you. I think that there's a chance if you come into the faith really quickly and with so much zest that you almost could be tested with something that rattles your faith to the core kind of off the bat. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you there might have to be a way to fight through that. I don't think that's true with everybody, but you know what I'm saying? If you come with such gusto and with such enthusiasm, I think you know you can get an initial test. So you want to at least go through go through the rigors a little bit. Right. And, you know, there's just a lot to, to take in as far as, you know, principles and, and everything. And, you know, it takes time, you know, there's Mm -hmm. certain topics that I would be, you know, uncomfortable going out and publicly starting a discussion on because, you know, I'd be worried that I'd mess it up and, you know, scandalize somebody and they'd, Oh, well, that's another thing. And yeah, but so that's the thing is like engaging in arguments. Um, but you know, hearing all their things back and forth, I realize you know, it's really, it, I don't think it's so much about if you're a convert or not. I think their argument was about what the converts were saying okay, and what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And then they were just sort of scapegoating the fact that a lot of these people were converts. Um, but the discussion it, it started, I just thought was interesting because I thought, you know, I, you'll see where, where people convert and then very quickly because, you know, they, they're, they're enthusiastic and, you know, priests need help. They need volunteers and helpers. Uh-huh. They kind of get thrown in front of, you know, large groups and are responsible for, you know, teaching them the faith. And I always think like, you know, let the, let the graces of conversion have their time yeah. and enjoy that time. And then you'll have the rest of your life to do all the teaching. And so um, maybe we can post the links to some of the little back and forth articles. Yeah. Um, don't don't read anything else on on the National Catholic Report or, or Crux, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll post these just for examples. That, um, I the, yeah. I think we have such a natural tendency to want to do things that we don't even think about whether or not what we're saying or what we potentially might be in a position to teach somebody whether or not that's heretical or scandalous or the effect that that might have on someone. It's pretty, it's pretty important. I think this is, this is, this has been good. I think this is a first good volume of cradle and convert. Yeah. Shall we, shall we, I joke that we call it cradle versus convert, but I like that you were, you were quick to say we would do cradle and convert. Yeah. Very good. Ain't nothing um, verses about about us, Zach. Should we have a saint of the week? Oh yeah, let's hear it. Who we got? It's a good one this week. It is Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton. Feast day January fourth. Namesake of my high school. There you go. She is the first native born citizen of the United States to be canonized. Did you know that, Zach? Whoa. I actually didn't know that. She established the first Catholic girls' school in the nation in the nation in Emmitsburg, Maryland, where she also founded the first American congregation of religious sisters, the Sisters of Charity. 
the Sisters of Charity have played a big role in the lives of the Baker family. The Sisters of Charity were the nuns in my grade school. So we were taught by them. My mom teaches kindergarten at that school, so she's co-workers with them. My brother goes to coffee with Sister La Salette quite often, so we are all wrapped up in the Sisters of Charity, Zach. So yeah, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, feast day, January 4th. She is the patron saint of in-law problems, widows, death of parents, I mean, that's what it says on Catholic.org. That sounds, those sound really random, but I'm going with it. I mean, in-laws, marriage, it's all kind of marriage and parents, mm-hmm. you know, family. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, remember, oh, were you, were you done? Oh, I could go on for hours about St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, but uh, you can go. Well, I was going to say, remember that um, Epiphany is, this coming Saturday. Right. Um, so at, at your parish, what they're doing at our parish is uh, they bless, you know, frankincense, golden myrrh. Mm-hmm. They always remind us, don't, uh, don't, don't make a show of all the, you know, if you want to bring all of your gold jewelry to be blessed, just, you know, be discreet about it. Obviously uh, this is a, you know, hundreds year old tradition. So there could be people that want to snatch your gold rings or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I don't think they're blessing Bitcoin, but gold coin. They, they will. will bless gold. They will soon enough, Zach. Soon enough, the wise men were totally behind on on the blockchain. Let when, me tell you. When this podcast is gold plated and with twenty two inch rims, then we can thank Bitcoin for that. Yes. Um, so yeah, you uh, can bring that for uh, the blessing and. Uh, it's still Christmas, so make sure you're you're still celebrating. It's not it's not time to put away your Michael Bublé Christmas albums. Yeah, no. we've still got. Quite you can a listen bit to that year to round. Oh yes, you can. Um, and then you know, Epiphany's not the end, but obviously it's the twelfth day, and so it's it sort of marks um, something of an end to Christmas. Maybe the the full blown party. But uh, the Christmas spirit lasts through the rest of January, so keep it up. Keep it up. Um, (laughs) Well, hey, great work this week, Zach. We will talk to you all next week. Yep, pray for us. We'll pray for you.